0: Want to say shout out to our sponsors watchman cigars red hill brewing crave bath and body and level up logo without you guys this episode would not be possible hello everybody welcome to a brand new episode of the southern fried philosophy podcast where it's our take on life liberty and the pursuit of gravy while you the listener are invited to come up on the front porch grab a beverage and set a spell we've got a great show lined up for you as always. This week, we continue our series in the pursuit of racial understanding. We have nationally known uh, Lucretia Berry. She's an anti-racism racism curriculum specialist, course designer, and author of What Lies Between Us, Fostering First Steps Toward Racial Healing, and she is the president of Brownicity. We're excited to have her on the show talking about systemic racism and how we got here, and how we try to work on to, to get it out. Um, but without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce you to our starting lineup. We do not have Erin this week. She had a rough week at work, and she is needing some time. So she is going home and going to bed, which I wish I could do right now are as we, well. Are we allowed all
1: right. to be- make that excuse?
0: Yeah, evidently. She right. just did. So I'll see you.
1: I'll see you later, guys. Good night.
0: Good night. Have a good <laughs> one.
1: Good night, everybody. If
0: <laughs> anybody could do that, to use that excuse, it could be Magic Man. Magic Man, how you be doing? Or not how you be doing, hey everybody.
2: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Ugh. No, yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, I've got a, a late night coming tonight. Uh, after we mm. get done, I get to do a continuation of that go live I was on last week. Mm. So, um, but hey, not, you not know,
0: a, not a long night in a good sense, we should say.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. But uh, hey, gainfully employed and not complaining.
0: There you go. We've got producer Brian, who evidently has gangrene. You're very, you're very yellow. I'm
2: yellow. <laughs>
1: doesn't gain jaundice, jaundice. Maybe. there you go sorry jaundice. Uh, you know what? I can probably <laughs> fix that I'll fix that in a minute
0: <laughs> and of course I'll be your illustrious host Biggin and how about you uh, producer Brian where can our people find us on the socials
1: well we are <clears throat> all over the interwebs mm-hmm. as I talk and change my color settings oh, at sorry, the same time okay.
0: you, want me, you want me or Ryan to do
1: it that's no fun just your the only thing I can talk about all right uh, you can go to sfpradio.com dot com where you'll find all of our uh, social media links TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tinder. I don't know. Um, you can also leave a voicemail there if you'd like to give us a pizza order or tell us any dreams we can interpret. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at uh, YouTube dot com slash Southern Fried Philosophy. There's a biscuit and gravy video out there with about eight views. It's really good. You all should right. check it out. Nailing it. Yeah, man. Yeah, is, about, is that
0: just I think
1: Jim might have at least eleven. So,
0: well, there we go. We've got <laughs> nineteen people making decent biscuit and gravy in the country. We're doing our job.
2: That's right. All right.
0: Um, Educating one person a day you, at a time. Did Did you watch the video? Have you watched us making said biscuit gravy?
2: Oh crap! You had to put me on the spot. I uh, you know. see. All right.
0: So, all right. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> I'm not. But look. I will now. All good. <laughs> That's your homework assignment.
2: I, I want to be number week. nine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've i I've said that statement my entire life. Just I'm okay with ninth
2: place.
1: <laughs> nice place. Right. <laughs> there you go. There's eight participants, but it's okay. There, yeah. <laughs> there you go.
0: Um yeah, just check out our, our website, SFPradio.com. If you want to contribute to the show, because we have zero marketing budget, we would appreciate, you know, throwing a couple dollars here or there to keep the thing going. we appreciate it. We've got lots of equipment, expensive equipment, stuff that I find on Craigslist and use duct tape. So if we can help get the word out by, you know, just a few of your dollars, that would be fantastic. Just uh, go to SFPradio.com. There you can find the Patreon link, click the link and subscribe, or just give a couple dollars. That'd be great. Um, all right. We're going to do our shout out to our listeners from Iowa. Uh, our um, our guest, Dr. Lucretia Berry, uh, went to Ohio State University. So, therefore, we're giving a shout out to our listeners from Iowa.
1: Did <laughs> I touch? just say
0: Ohio? Because I yes. do. That. I get Iowa and Ohio mixed up.
1: So, That you know, wasn't intentional that you said Ohio State and Iowa? Like uh, they're, yeah, not even, I, I get those confused. they're not even border
0: states, I don't think. Where, I know. Is my brain like so Iowa <laughs> and Idaho, I get confused. And fours and fives, I my brain is just wired so crazy on those two. So maybe <laughs> man, she's got an education background. Maybe she can help me learn that. Fours and fives in Iowa and Idaho. So she's from Iowa State, not Iowa. Oh crap. Not wow. Ohio. See? I can't do this. Uh, Iowa State. So <laughs> Let's just start over. Ryan, tell us some folks, uh, tell our listeners from Iowa uh, some interesting facts.
2: All right. About Iowa. Home state. <laughs> yeah, about the Hermes State. Tell them something they already know. I quit. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Leave Iowa. the geography to
1: Magic Man. <laughs>
2: That's right. That's right. Hey, I did major in, in college, so, you know. Did you really? Uh, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got That's my, my degrees in uh, geography with a concentration in urban planning. So, And huh. urban planning is not something I would probably do in, in Iowa. Well, no, they do have some cities like Des Moines and some other <laughs> People sp- but, live hey, there, yeah. I digress, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm going to need to talk more about this degree in geography. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, not right now. i don't but remember
2: anyway. it, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa the land of the, where the tall corn grows um, hmm. also it's also the uh, around 7 times more hogs live uh, are in Iowa than people uh, as of 2013 there was 21.2 million hogs in Iowa whereas the human Whoa. population was just over 3 million so wow. hopefully they're talking about the animal and not overweight folks motorcycles yeah. mm yeah, oh, yeah motorcycle. Motorcycle. That's, right. Is. <laughs> that's right that's right that's mm. right um oh. at 2.4 billion bushels iowa produces the most corn of any state even more corn than some other countries like mexico so really uh, i don't know some of those uh tortillas and taco shells and what have you they, mm. they're probably made with uh possibly corn from mexico iowa who knows iowa well wow. I, would I would love me yeah. some corn. That's right. Hmm. Professor John Antasoff. Antan. Atansoff, I'm butchering his name. And if he's listening, my apologies. <laughs> he's not listening. Think he's Atan- listening. He's not listening. Uh, hey, <laughs> you never know. You never know. Yeah. Hey, if Atansoff, you're listening, leave us a voicemail I mean, with
1: the correct spelling of your name, please, sir. Yeah. The Atan- Atanasoff.
2: There we go. Professor yeah. John Atanasoff. Okay, and student Clifford Berry, both USA, uh created the world's first electronic digital computer, the Atanasoff-Berry Computer, ABC, at Iowa State University. There um, you go. Um, it was yeah, it was uh, made between 1937 and 1942. So hey, we got uh Silicon Valley starting in the Corn State. How about that? Wow.
0: That's fantastic. Or, or
2: Hog State too. Yeah. Um <laughs> So you know we we've talked in the past about going to Bucky's, which by the way, uh, my wife and I did stop at yet another Bucky's. All uh, right, traveling from Mobile to um, uh, East Bank slash um, Chattahoochee, Florida, Bainbridge, okay. Georgia area, our last place we stayed at, which we'll talk about a little bit more. But anyways, we stopped at a Bucky's there again, and and we did get brisket. It was awesome. Uh, Fantastic. Beaver nuggets. Were yes, fantastic. Uh, and yes, the toilets are very clean. As a matter of fact, I was rather impressed with the, the and this may be getting a little too uh, uh, oh anyways. I was impressed with, with the urinal. So <laughs> Yeah. So let, uh, let me, let me back kind of explain why. So guys, especially hopefully guys, especially will understand that you walk up to a urinal and sometimes there's a little privacy panel between urinals and sometimes mm-hmm. there's not. Right. Well, Correct. these urinals are in their own little enclaves. Like they literally have the wall coming out from the wall behind the urinal and, and it gives you nice privacy so you can do your business in peace and so not have stand to back a little bit if you need to yeah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so um so that that i was rather impressed with and then you turn around and there's the sinks to wash your hands i mean it's like they made this nice little arrangement for the flow you go into your business wash your hands and and walk out right where you don't you know you don't have to go (laughs) yeah exactly you don't (laughs) so you don't have to um you know, go around a corner to get to the sinks or anything like that. It's it's a nice little uh, setup they got there. This,
0: this um, is why we need Aaron on the show. Experience
2: optimal flow at Bucky's. <laughs> That's right. Uh, 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 optimal flow in the, at the urinals in the bathrooms at Bucky's. Yes, but Our we show also is did. <laughs> it's a spo- it sponsor. I, this is free advertising for Bucky's. Yes, yes. Well, the it whole reason phenomenal. why I, yep. it it is phenomenal, and, and if you ever get a chance to stop at one, I. It's highly recommend. I think pretty much from everybody on this podcast. So, <laughs> um, but the reason why I brought that up was the world's largest truck stop is in Iowa. It is also okay. it is known as Iowa eighty. The truck stop is not just a place for truckers to park their their bread and butter earning machines, but it also has a barbershop, a chiropractor. A huge museum with antique trucks. It was established in 1964 and dubbed a small city and a trucker's Disneyland. Huh. I hate to see what Mickey Mouse would look like. Um, in short, it is a trucker's paradise. So, wow. anyways, wow. So, so hey, if uh, if we get up that way, uh, me and the misses, I will uh, definitely be stopping at that Iowa 80 and hmm. uh, give you all a report there on any, what any it's buildings like there.
1: with no windows.
2: Yeah, who knows? I'll hmm. let you know. Who's that All mean? you
1: right. You'll figure it out. All
2: right. <laughs> yeah. And finally, uh right. Aston Kutcher was born in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Oh. So there's yeah. five interesting facts by the great state of Iowa. Those just five? I love it. Yeah. Oh.
0: Speaking of Bucky's, the, the one in um Kentucky opened up this week. And there was before the doors opened. There was a line of 200 folks to enter the Buckies. That's like a Chick fil A line. A new store opens. <laughs> That's just like a normal Chick fil A line. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, thank you for that information. Let's go to How You Be Duran, brought to you by Crave Bath and Body. Listen, I just, I'm almost done with my lavender cedar wood, and I'm anxiously awaiting to open the coffee soap that I have from Crave Bath and Body. I'll I'll probably let you know next week how that's going. Um but man, I really enjoy that that lavender cedar wood. There's real cedar wood in it. So when you're you're using it, yeah, it scrapes your face and like leaves marks. It's fantastic. Just kidding. It's, that's great. That's great. While you're washing.
1: That's,
2: that's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's fantastic. You, I love it. It's the or, or you can light a small
2: fire in the shower, you know?
0: <laughs> you get a little <laughs> cold you can light the soap on fire you're good to go that's right all right, that's right so how you been doing we'll go back to magic man and his trip to bucky's uh but you also last uh last time you were on the show we were talking about rusty's um what was it called ru- what was the ru- my restaurant you're ru- going to
2: yeah rusty's riverfront grill in vicksburg mississippi
0: is. all right give and, us a report um, on old rusty's
2: Okay, old Rusty's. Well, it's hard to believe that was It was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, Rusty's uh, was good. Overall, it was very good. Um, we uh, got there probably about 15 to 20 minutes before they opened for dinner, and there was already a line to get in. I mean, there was literally probably okay. about 30 people standing out in front of their front door waiting to get in.
0: That's so, a great
2: sign. Yeah, it's a very good sign. Um, so we all were just chatting, and, and then they opened the doors, and, and it was an orderly entry into the restaurant. Everybody made a line, and the line snaked around the front a little bit in, inside of the, the restaurant and then back up to where the register was um, so that way um, the people, the greeters or whoever they are, can get them to their tables. And we got to our table fairly quickly. We were towards the back of the line. Um, the service was very good. The people were very friendly in that restaurant. Okay. So, um, so
0: far, we've got optimal flow as well.
2: Optimal flow, yeah, very good flow. Yes, perfect. Um, <clears throat> so I had a. Um, oh, this is bad because it's been a while. I forgot what I had. I think I got a cheeseburger. <laughs> you I knew it, and I enjoyed. and I enjoyed the. I enjoyed the 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 toy that came with it. All there, right, <laughs> yeah. there it is. Yeah. But well my done. wife got some fish. It was like fish on um, uh, Alfredo or something, and she oh. said it was excellent. So the food was very good, F- very good. I mean, you know, other folks that okay. were there said they enjoyed eating there. The food is very good. Um, the only downside that we had was the bread that they bring out in it before you uh, uh, eat um, the appetizer bread. They're like yeast rolls, but you can tell they were like in a freezer or from a freezer and warmed mm. up in a microwave because so they, and, and it's like they had freezer burn. So you know that, that oh. taste you get with rolls yeah. when they've been in the freezer a while and they've had freezer yeah. burn and they get warmed up. Yeah. And, mm. and then the butter that they brought with those rolls weren't very good either. It wasn't yeah. very good. It tasted kind of, I'm out. So yeah, I'm out. Yeah. So those, yeah. those, that was the only downside. Everything else. Great. Uh, right. I would give them a, a four out of five store, stars, and wow. I would um, definitely go back next time we're in town. Okay. Uh, all right. Yep. Yeah. Make sure you send me the link
1: to that restaurant, and I'll get it on the show notes. We
2: okay.
1: we Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Brian, how you been? Doing? Oh, sorry. You, you also <laughs> tell us about your movie. So, where are you at this week?
2: Well, the next thing we're gonna do is is we ate at another restaurant, um, Lulu's, in uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. So um, oh, the week no. after we were in Vicksburg, we went to Gulf to to uh, Mobile, Alabama, and um, the uh, folks that run the campground we stayed at they they were like acting like what's that word, Co- cochineers or what? I can't ever pronounce Co-tears. that word. Concierge, thank you, um, making recommendations on where to go. And one of the places they said was, hey, you need to go to Lulu's at um, in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Lulu's is was opened and is run by the sister of Jimmy Buffett. Um, so it's Lucy Buffett is, is who owns it. And I think there's um, a couple of restaurants. So it's like a real small chain, if you'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one we went to is in Gulf Shores. It's right on the intercoastal waterway. Um, and again, uh, I, again, I had a hamburger, (laughs) um, and, (laughs) and, uh, Lori had fish skin, and, and we both enjoyed our meals. Very. I mean, it was very, it was good food. It wasn't, you know, kitschy. Like you would think, you know, a place like that. Oh, Jimmy Buffett's sister. There's a trash can
1: nachos somewhere.
2: So. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, it was very good. Um, and it was nice cause it was a beautiful day out. So we sat where we sat was in the restaurant, but they have, um, basically their walls open up. So everybody that's inside is like sitting out. It's like being on, on okay. a big old is essentially. And you got the intercoastal waterway right there. So we were watching boats go up and down next to us. And, um, they also had like a, a little amusement park and miniature golf and other stuff that's right there. Mm. Uh, But we thoroughly enjoyed um, Lulu's and I would give that um, a four out of five as well. Um, And I would definitely return to that one. We really enjoyed our food and and being able to sit and enjoy the nice weather out there. Um, What was, (sighs) (laughs) what was interesting was after we left there, we went to the beach there at Gulf Shores and um, we you know, dip, parking was difficult, especially when you're driving a large vehicle like we have, you know, sure. a, a one ton dually, crew cab, eight foot bed, you know, big, 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 big guy, big dookie, big dookie. Um, big dookie. Um, so we, but we did, we found a parking place fairly quickly. Uh, we walked over to where the beach and there's like this walk area in front of it. That's, that's paved with grass and everything. And then they have stairs that go down onto the beach. And we were getting ready to walk down the stairs, and out of all of a sudden, here's this beach patrol guy comes up in his truck. You can't Dude. have your dog on the beach. We're like, know. what? It's Hank Hill. You know, and yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Boy, you can't have your dog on the beach there. Um, <laughs> and we we're like, okay. See, the thing was, we walk up, there's signs that say what you can bring on the beach, what you can't bring on the beach.
3: Okay. None of it
2: said, about not having dogs up. on the beach. And the only mm-hmm. thing you can – the only thing it said was they have to be on a leash and you have to pick up after them, which is pretty much what you should be doing True. anyways. Right. So we had our dog on a leash. Um, you know, th- there's no reason mm. why. So anyways, so we were like, okay, uh, whatever. And we we left. We got on the ferry that goes across Mobile Bay, enjoyed the little ride on the ferry, went over to Dolphin you, Island. Did
0: you take the, to the beach there? and Big Dookie on the ferry?
2: No, just Big Dookie.
0: Okay, all right, that would be less.
2: So we did all this the day after we we came into town. Ah, that, okay, that so yeah, so we the RV was at the campground, and we it was just you know Big Dookie and Lori and Reed and I. Um, Reed is our dog by everybody. Um, so we went to Dolphin Island, and we went on the beach. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, nice, and, and then you know went back. So it it wound up with the exception of uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Um, their beach and the beach patrol guy being a jerk, um, we, we, we had a, a good day there. Um, we stayed at East Bank Campground, which is in, uh, uh, Bainbridge, Georgia, but it's actually closer mm-hmm. to Chattahoochee, Florida. Um, oh, yeah. and we, uh, and then last, or this past Saturday, we came back, we're back in the Brunswick, Georgia area. So we're staying, um, actually not in Brunswick, we're west of it. Uh, Actually, y'all will get a a kick out of this. So you know in Charlotte how we make fun of like Gaston County?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Okay, so Brunswick is is a city, it's on the coast of Georgia, halfway between Savannah and Jacksonville. And uh, Brantley County is next door to it. And the folks in, (laughs) in Brunswick make fun of Brantley County just like we make fun of Gaston County. Mm -hmm.
0: There's always always that county you make fun of.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, Lori and I are actually now residents of Brantley County.
0: (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Basically, you're from Gastonia. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're trying
0: to name Big Dookie, so you're going to fit right in there. So there's that. You know it, man. Hey, so I was looking up while you're telling the story, uh, Lambert's, uh, the home of the Thrilled Rolls is right there in Gulf Shores. And if, if I would have put two and two together, I would have told you to go there instead of Lulu's because that place is heaven for a fat man. I'm just telling you. Ooh. So Ooh. if you're over there that that way, we'll talk about it more. We're running out of time. But uh, Lambert's, yeah. it's where to go. So Brian, how you doing?
1: I'm good. Uh, I've recovered from my lunch. Um,
0: <laughs> That's why you got jaundice.
1: Yeah, maybe. So <clears throat> I've already, already got some of this information, but I, I was... I run around uh, around lunchtime of day, and I decided to pick up something from a Thai place on my way home. Mm-hmm. And I like spicy food a little bit from time to time. I, I'm ca- calling her in. Uh, I need to take out order. And she says spicy. You know, so question mark went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Why not? Spicy sounds good. Medium, yeah, oh, medium. Boy. Medium spicy. Let's do it. Oh boy. Um. Yeah.
0: So. It- at that moment you should have known better and that's that's it
1: you know it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so tell how did it turn out it was delicious it was very good it, and people that like mm-hmm. spicy food might appreciate this but there's a sort of euphoria you get when you eat something like there's a pain and there's a relief mm-hmm. from the pain and there's like the flavor of the food and it all like comes together and it's like a full body experience because you're sweating all your senses are tingling. You know your ears start bleeding. Sometimes and it's it's a uh, really um, it's it's a wonder it's a it's something you can't replicate with every meal, right? Um, I don't know about that, sir. Um, as, a, I, I, as a
0: fat man, when I eat, I start sweating as well. <laughs> I start this was bleeding <laughs> my ears, yeah, and getting dizzy. I don't know yeah. how that happens.
1: It's like it's like you know the meat sweats
0: mm-hmm. only. This oh, is yeah.
1: after like three bites and not a half a brisket, you know,
0: <laughs> I, I need the Thai uh, restaurant community to just do me a favor. Everybody get together and just everybody agree on a common spicy level. Yeah. Because you'll go to one and it'll be, you'd be like spicy medium and you're like, there's no taste to this one. And then you go to another one and it's like a bazillion degrees. And you're like, yeah. how in the world is it so different? So I need them. I need folks just to be able to get on the same page. And I mean, just across the board of everything, like your, your chicken wing sauces, everything is like, is this hot? Is this not? You just don't know. And it's yeah. quite frustrating.
1: Another time I was at a, I think it was the Thai. It was some Asian place where I ordered something very spicy. I was out of town. I was, like in, I was in Richmond, Virginia. Oh I remember this. And it was like early. It was like an early dinner, like five, mm-hmm. five fifteen or something. And they seated me like in a back room, like out of the way. So they didn't like, I was eating my food and like the water. I, I needed so I need water so bad, but no one was like even walking around to see me uh-huh. convulsing wow. on the table needing water. So, um, that food was also very good, but hmm. the service, you know, could have. I, I, I think yeah. I asked for two or three waters when they came. I said, just give me two of these right now. Yeah. <laughs> it was like. It ate all the ice in the glass. Like there was all Ooh. anything wet I could do to get the spice out wow. of It was awesome.
0: I just, I just asked the server, "Can you just leave the pitcher? That would be easier for you and for me." I've done that too. So, yeah, I yeah. To so it'd be <laughs> drink
2: directly from the pitcher. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. yeah. I need a refill on the pitcher, please. Uh, yeah. Good. We had a a great Easter brunch. I think we, as as believers, we we enjoy the resurrection of Jesus, and then we also enjoy eating the most bacon we could in a single mm.
3: day.
0: I think that's basically how Easter runs for us now. Um, wow! So, but we had ham, which again I think mm, Jesus was Jewish; he didn't quite eat the ham. But um, so we had <laughs> a ham. One of the we had green beans, <laughs> kept it easy, a potato, a potato uh, casserole thing. Yeah. But then my wife decided she's going to make a pineapple bake. Have you all ever heard of a pineapple bake?
2: No. Uh,
1: is it like a cake?
0: Oh, no. It's not a cake.
1: Pineapple bake. Like a hot pineapple. pineapple. Is, like, I've grilled pineapple.
0: Yeah, we've got some hot pineapple. Um, we have got... Uh, Is that a question, Brian? Or is that? That's not a question. Uh, That wasn't a question. Okay. Um, But a pineapple bake, and it's pineapple, right? Um, But then she mixes uh, sharp cheddar cheese Uh, and and bake and then Ritz crackers. Okay. And then and then some butter on top, and then bakes it. And, you know, it's crushed pineapples. And and I say to myself, this is going to be gross. This is going to be disgusting. Uh, She's like, just trust me. And after 17 years of marriage, I know, (laughs) just trust my wife. Just whatever she says, (laughs) the answer is yes. Just do it. And um, and so we we have our, our meal, and I try it, and I was preparing myself. Turned out it was fantastic. So... Yeah, an apple bake is the way to go. You got the sweet, you got the sharp cheddar, you have got the crunch of the, the Ritz crackers, the butter. I know it sounds weird, but it, it's delicious.
1: This had to be an accident in like the seventies, right? Oh, like absolutely. some, yeah. some. I want I, to say housewife. You know what I mean? The seventies, they yeah, had those still. Sure, 70s. Um, had to make <laughs> something for a potluck, and it's just like, oh, I don't have any food. Here's a right, can of right. pineapple, a box of Ritz crackers, <laughs> and a block of cheese. Let's go. <laughs>
0: No,
1: <laughs> right. Stick of butter. That's I mean, yeah. there's casserole. And then like, Bam. This, this is genius. Yes. Yeah, history was made.
0: There you go. All right. So I ran across this on TikTok and I wanted to get your all's thoughts on this. Um, so the question is in a bowl, which do you put in first? Do you put in the milk or do you put in the cereal? So I want uh, Ryan, do you put in the milk first or the cereal first?
2: I do the cereal first.
0: Okay. One vote for cereal. Producer Brian.
1: This is madness. But cereal first. You have to put the cereal. There's, it's, it has to be cereal first.
0: I thought that, and I thought, well, this is a TikTok joke. It has to be, because they filmed like they asked seven people, and all seven said milk first, which I don't get. My, my head rigged. doesn't understand you put the cereal in first and then nope. put the milk in because if you don't, then nope. the cereal just sits on top until, until I asked my wife the same question, milk or cereal first. And she said, she puts the milk in first. Okay. What was that number then, you said a minute ago? 17 years. One? 17 years. And you didn't have the answer to this question already? No, because we never eat cereal at the house. It's like bacon and eggs. It's very rare that she eats cereal. Uh, But then she even goes a step further. She puts the cereal in a whole nother cup, and then she'll spoon in the cereal, let it sit for a minute, and then eat it, because otherwise she says it gets too soggy.
1: That's extra. I'm sorry. That's just... What? What? So, who has that the luxury of time to individually steep every bite of cereal? I got right. places to be in the morning. Cereal sure. goes in, milk goes in. If you do it the other way, you're you don't have the ratio right. Unless you're like drawing right. sharpie lines in your bowl and you've measured it out, and you're that kind of crazy.
2: I don't, no, uh-uh. I don't well, know. Well, I'm a fast it. eater, so you know the, the cereal doesn't even have time to get. Right. right.
0: That's true. That's what I said. Just eat the cereal. Put, past the, serum, but, put the milk in and boop, boop, boop. so this fascinates me. So I think it potentially I am I want to get Aaron's opinion. If we get just the, the milk first is is the if we get none of those answers besides my wife, then I'm just going to call it Noel and just be done with it because yes. I think it was a thing. But it is interesting. Milk or cereal first. I want to know everybody's thoughts. So that may be our question of the of the week. I'm going to put out a poll if anybody will actually. Take a poll. That'd be great. I don't
1: know if I want to know. I've already lost faith in this country, so that's not going to help, I think.
2: (laughs) I wonder if it's a generational thing, too. Mm. Because, you know, like TikTok is mostly used by Gen Zers and millennials. Yeah. And, maybe. You know, so, and we're, we're all kind of, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. Um, Brian, you're, you're kind of, well, you're. I'm in the middle. I'm in that weird,
1: like, it's not a real generation thing. I'm not a millennial, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not a Gen Xer. Well,
2: yeah. Well, both I of had you. Audio cassettes you would be... and
1: AIM at the same time. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's right. Um, but both of you, I think, are in that, that what do they call that micro yeah. generation, the the exennial, mm. which is, yeah. Anyways. So, I, but I wonder if it's a generational thing where the younger ones do the milk first and then the cereal, or, and older folks do the cereal first mm. and then the milk. That, you, that would me. be curious to see. Mm.
0: Yes. Well, we'll ask. No, we'll ask. Research. I'll, I'll do some research on that one. Oh, yeah. But uh, speaking about losing your hope for humanity, <clears throat> one person that is not allowing us to lose our hope for humanity is our next guest. Uh, Dr. Lucretia Berry is an anti-racism cultural curriculum, sorry, specialist and cultural specialist, uh, course designer and author of What Lies Between Us, fostering first steps towards racial healing. She is a TED Talk speaker and a writer for Encourage Me. She earned her PhD in curriculum and instruction from Iowa State University and her BA from South Carolina State University. So, Dr. Lucretia Berry, thank you so much for joining us. This this is a huge honor. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on our show.
1: Oh, she's muted.
0: Uh-oh. There we go. Oh, there now, wait.
3: It looks like I'm lagging. So can you hear me and see me? Okay.
0: Yes, ma'am. We can.
3: Okay, great. Thank you uh, for, for having me. I, I heard uh, your, you know, your interview, your conversation with um, Wendy uh, last yeah. from last time. And um, yeah, you, you made a comment about uh, Iowa state and how you wouldn't hold that against me. So I appreciate that and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Well, it's South
0: Carolina State. I'm a Kentucky Wildcat a basketball, well, basketball and football fan. So I know our teams play each other every once in a while. I don't really have anything against Iowa State. You may have us uh, have something against us because we beat you in the in the uh, the bowl, but um, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay.
3: It's all good. I I don't play, <laughs> so I really don't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> earlier on the show, my brain, I was telling the audience, my brain gets Iowa and Ohio uh, or Iowa really confused. I don't know why it does it. Fours and fives and Iowa and Idaho. Or, uh, see, there we go. Iowa yeah. and, and mm-hmm. oh, uh, Ohio mixed up. So uh, it's silly yeah. brain, but it's Iowa no, State. It's we made that clear. That's yeah. Yeah. So it's coming. Uh,
3: it's Ohio, Iowa, Idaho. It's all people confuse it all. <laughs>
0: right. Well, let's not uh, confuse our topic. We are talking about racial reconciliation and how can we make this world a better place. And I looked through, and I can't find anybody better than you to help help us move forward in this. You, your TED Talk was phenomenal. Uh, I was telling you. the guys pre-show that my wife was actually at that TED Talk, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: That sounds great. Yeah.
0: So um, we're very excited to have you on and help us help us move forward. And I just really want to acknowledge and say thank you from the bottom of my heart um, to be able to tell your story and Mm -hmm. to help us learn from that story. Um, Mm -hmm. I know it's a lot. And so I appreciate you doing that.
3: Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate your learning journey because, you know, we have a choice to. learning is a choice, right? And mm-hmm. so we can choose to learn, we can choose to grow, um, you know, we can choose to, you know, operate in our power to, yeah, make the world better, um, or we can be complicit. And so I appreciate mm-hmm. that you have chosen to grow.
0: <laughs> it took a lot <laughs> of years to get here, by the way. <laughs> um, so tell us, um, what is Brownicity? And why did you feel the need to start this?
3: Okay, well, Brown is the organization. Um, I call it an education agency um, that I started in 2015, um, essentially to bring scholarly informed and evidence based um,
0: mm.
3: education knowledge to. Um, I'm going to say just the general masses because I have um, you know a doctorate in curriculum and instruction, and because of my Uh, you know, tenure, you know, in academe and, you know, being able to be a graduate student and um, study anti-racism education and multicultural education, education in general, or, you know, being exposed to people from all over the world and, and ideas and sit at tables from people all over the world. I, you know, I'm pretty privileged in terms of how, in terms of my understanding of history and the context that we live in. And mm. so, um, uh, around 2014, um, uh, people were coming to me with questions and I'm going to like people at my church and I, I, um, mm. attended or attended a, a multiracial church. So, um, people were coming to me with questions, um, because that was around, uh, you know, like, uh, Trayvon Martin and Tamir mm. Rice and that, that, that kind of you know, was getting a lot of media attention and um and so then then uh with the Charleston massacre uh, that mm-hmm. happened, uh, yeah, people were, were thinking, okay, we thought, yes, we thought that this we were post-racial, right? right. And now <laughs> and, and so we're not. So tell can you explain why? And so it really started with a lot of casual conversations. Oh, let me. Because, you know, you might think, well, why would they just randomly ask her? Well, my husband (laughs) is white. (laughs) So people assume that we have a handle on. (laughs) And and it's not because we are a, you know, so-called interracial couple that we have a handle on this. It is because we both have a background of learning um, Mm. in this in this area. So, um, right. So we didn't come into our marriage kind of, you know, pretending to be cl- colorblind at all. We were very racially mm. aware um, and, you know, and educated and informed and being and being very intentional about choices that we were making, um, sure. you know, so, so, so then, yeah, so that people then would ask us questions about race all of the time. Now, fortunately, because again, we were, ed- are educated and, and actually felt like um, this, educating people was a part of, was our contribution to the world. Then people found us easy to talk to. And so finally, um, you know, I get questions like, well, yeah, like, well, Lucretia, you know, you've met my mom and you know, she's really nice, but she says some things that are just wrong, just wrong. I know they're wrong, (laughs) but I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to help her understand that they're wrong. That those kind of questions or, you know, why is, you know, this still happening or even vulnerable, very vulnerable questions like Lucretia, I have never in my life had a negative experience with an African-American man. So how come when I'm in my car and an African-American man is walking down the street, I lock my door? What is Mm -hmm. that about? So um, and so I just I clearly saw that people needed like. A formal education, and so as a nation, right. we are woefully undereducated about race, which is kind of crazy because it's so prevalent and touches right. all of us and touches every area of our life. Right? It's like kind of like math, right? Like <laughs> right. right. it teaches everything, right? <laughs> now, um, or gravity, or whatever or air. Right. And so, um, yeah, and so I. Then um, created Brownnicity as this space um, initially to kind of formally allow people to, to gather and ask questions and have conversations. And then I was eventually asked to teach, like, OK, can you do something mm. more? Formal? like can you put something together and teach us? Now, fortunately, you know, my background is in curriculum and instruction. So designing a course was, you know, easy and fun for me. And so uh, I I designed a course and I call it like an onboarding course or a foundation course that to help people have a foundational understanding about race. um, You know, when it was invented, why it was invented, how it still persists 400 years later, um, how it impacted us, how it continues to impact us and then how we perpetrated and perpetuated. And Mm -hmm. um, that course ended up being, um, what is now called what lies between us fostering first steps toward racial healing. So yeah, Brownicity. And so Brownicity continues to be an educational platform. Um, and initially we served like churches and church groups, but then we've grown to now we serve schools, um, uh-huh. companies, and uh, we love yeah, creating learning opportunities. So um, I think, you know, people are kind of finally understanding that, um, okay. A learning process is very intricate, intricate, intricate. There we go. It's a good time. So my body is shutting down. <laughs> I,
0: understand, I understand. You yeah. got the kids to bed. All you want to do is sleep.
3: Yeah. So people are understanding that, okay, it takes, it takes more than just, oh, I went to this one, I went and heard this one speaker that one time, or mm-hmm. I read that one book or my pastor talked about it. And so now we're all good. Like yeah. it's a whole learning journey and it's a lifelong learning journey. And you need to, you know, you need to learn, unlearn, process, practice, mm-hmm. you know, why reflect, you know, and, and sure. then redo. So people need ongoing support. And so that's what Brownicity offers um, through courses and webinars and talks and and live events. So that's what Brownicity is. And I'll, I'll explain the funny word. Um, Brownicity yeah, yeah, is... Yeah, it's a made-up word. Um, it, it combines brown, the word brown, and then ethnicity from ethnicity. And brown represents the melanin that we all have. So that kind of throws back to, yes, we're one humanity, right? Mm-hmm. We, Wendy talked about that. We are one humanity. Um, we all have melanin. Um, I have more, uh, which is why I have my skin tone. You have less. So this is why you have your skin tone. Um And then isity comes from, um, like I said, the word ethnicity and ethnicity means that which we have in common. So brownicity is, you know, not just this space, but the word itself is this embodiment of like uh, we are many hues of one humanity and we need space Mm -hmm. to, you know, grow into who we really are and acknowledge how we have um, been divided. and and deceive about who we are uh-huh. in, terms of, in terms of a racial hierarchy. So that's brownnicity.
0: And you got that from your daughter, is that right?
3: Oh, look at you, No, that's, look at you knowing the story. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> Me, she, because we knew we would need to have very informed conversations with our children, uh, being multi-ethnic children. Like, you know, there's one thing to navigate our hyper-racialized society as a black woman and I'm from the South. so. I had mm-hmm. a particular education and 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 was equipped how to navigate the south. Yeah. And my husband, you know, is from Iowa. So he would have gotten a very different, you know, toolkit or education about navigating. Like right? there was no black people, so he didn't get it. <laughs> you know. So then, you know, we had to be so it was like, well, how do we then teach our children who are going to have a different experience than we had? And when our daughter talked about you know, us being all shades of brown. Yeah, we grabbed that. Like, yes, that's it. We are shades of brown. And then that gave us the framework to be able to talk about, you know, ancestry and, you know, the sun and melanin. And and it was very de- developmentally appropriate um, because then later when we introduced this whole thing, race, like, oh, well, race is about the rules and value placed on You know, how we look. Mm. So, um, you know, because we had normalized, uh, I'm going to say, normalized like diversity or differences, you know, the diversity of differences within humanity, it made it so much easier to talk about race and talk about race as a construct, you know, instead of um, central to our identity. Like, you know, so many people struggle with that. So, yeah, that look. The babes, out of the mouth of the (laughs) babes. You're absolutely
0: right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and what I love about you um, and what you're doing is it comes from the educational perspective. And -hmm. it's not just, oh, how I feel or what I think or what uh, news bite we get this week. But it's educational based, learning it just like like you said, math or gravity or whatever, there's specific terms for specific, specific definitions for those terms. And I think what causes a lot of confusion is we'll hear racism and it it can mean 14 different things. Um, But when you come from the perspective of its education, and this is what this word means, then that helps solidify and we can all get on the same page.
3: That's right. And that's, that's a, um, a soapbox I stand on. Um, even when we start our courses, it's like, um, we have to know what these words mean. I, the, the very first time we taught the pilot, um, one of the, the couples who were, they were participating and I, they were friends of ours. And, um, I, I remember we had gotten into bed and they texted me and they said, Hey, we don't agree with this definition of, Mm. I can't remember if it was race or racism, but they, yeah, I think race, they didn't agree with it or something, racism, they didn't agree with it. And so I said, I said, oh, you're doing your homework out of order. So first, you know, watch this. So you have this understanding, you have this historical context, then Mm. the definition will make sense. And so, yep, then they, then they got it. (laughs) So yeah, we have to understand, you know, um, yeah, we have to understand what what the what the terms mean and not yeah it is frustrating sometimes to see um words being weaponized um that mm. is pretty disturbing
0: i'm a c student from duval county florida and uh i i do know that i had to learn division before algebra so <laughs> you've got see? to put those things in place you got to do them in order so that helps that's right yeah that's right Scaffolding. So- so last week we talked about, and you heard Wendy talking about the the um, the construction of race and how that happened in the country.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What I really would like you to talk about is educate our our listeners about the systemic racism. We hear that word again thrown around. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's you know systemic racism, whatever. There's people that I talk to that say, "Well, we've had a black president, like you said, so therefore racism is out the door." Okay. I mean that's a whole nother show, but there, but, but there are those things that are in place that has caused that separation um, that we have now. Again, the the redlining, the GI Bill, education, or the lack thereof. Um, so, so, can you talk about how do we see systemic racism in like public policies or um, the things that you you might see more more than we do?
3: Well, and I think that's the thing with systemic racism. It is it's difficult to see unless you yeah. are, yeah, a student of, um, let's say like if, like if you're a, a law student, right? And then you are being trained in policy or to see, um, you know, to look for policies, to look for particular practices um, mm-hmm. that um, disproportionately harm um, people of color. And so it, you know, there, there's that, but that also systemic racism, um, encompasses, um, uh, history and, and encompasses practices and outcomes compounded over time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you think about how you build wealth, you know, so Mm -hmm. you build wealth, wealth, you have, um, you know, you have equity, and then you know you you invest that, and then you know it builds over time. You need time mm-hmm. for that to um, to multiply. Um, I'm not a finance person, so I don't know all the terms. <laughs> um, so then, okay, so then it works the other way too, um, or it works um, with negative things. So negative um, policies and practices. Uh, personal practices um, that happened. I'm, you know, I'm just going to say, um, I'm just going to say like a generation ago, mm-hmm. um, compounded over time, still are in place. So I'm going to give you, uh, your listeners, two examples um, to, to, to illustrate what I'm talking about. Well, first I will say, here, here's one thing. For people who are beginners, I, I often recommend the movie um, Hidden Figures. Because Hidden Figures is a Disney movie, right? So <laughs> it's you know, and it's a little bit whitewashed. But I mean you it's a great example of, you know, uh, uh, you see the lives of these women, you see how they were not um so one woman in, in uh, for example could not become the engineer that she wanted to be because she had to have gotten her diploma from a particular school, but only white students could go to that school. So if you have, okay, right. So the only reason, the only way for you to get into a particular program is to then to have a a prerequisite that took place um, and, you know, at a school that's outside of your, you know, your ability to attend that school. So Mm. then over time, how is that? What is the impact of that? So now in the Disney movie, She has to go to court. (laughs) She has to go to court and get, and she's pushed, you know, really pushed and supported um, by some people she's working with, I guess, at NASA. And then she goes to court, and then she's able to get in the class, and then she takes the class, and then she's able to get into the program, and then she's able to um, be a NASA engineer or mathematician. Okay. So if she had not, let's say, if she had not been able to or just think about all the people who were not able to go to court to, you know, get mm-hmm. the, the diploma that they needed in order to go to the the program to become these engineers. So look up how that impacts generations, mm-hmm. the generations after them. So in this case, yeah, somebody's mom got to be an engineer, but look how many people didn't get to be right. So that and then how that impacts. People over time, so um, one of um, uh, City's well, City's operations manager Amy, um, she did some research on her her family and learned that uh, when her uh, grandparents came over, or great grandparents, when they came over, so she was able to track when they came over from Germany and then um, settled in. Uh, the Detroit area, and then how they were able to, you know, uh, you know, build sustainable, a sustainable life. Mm -hmm. Um, And compared them to the black, her, their black counterparts who at that time were being right, redlined or, you know, being kept out of this opportunity to be able to uh, buy a home and build wealth. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you, you, she, you can parallel the two and see, you know, she paralleled what her grandparents were able to attain, which of course then benefited her parents. Then, of course, that benefited her, right. um, and, and then, but the black counterparts were not able to um, because of policies and laws, uh, and yeah, race-based policies and laws. They were not able to achieve that. So even when you know redlining was outlawed and prohibited. That span of time, you don't get that span of time back to go back and compound the wealth <laughs> and compound the opportunities. And so now that's just about where someone um, lives and the, we- the wealth they're able to acquire. But then that doesn't even consider or take into account like, well, then what, what what's going on with the schools in an area yeah. that um, so, so now you have um, an education that is um, under resourced. Your schools are under resourced. You, uh, uh, when companies and banks divest um, these, you know, redlined neighborhoods, then that means you have um, the, your food resource, uh, your food source is uh, is not of good quality. I remember when I had gone off to college, but my uh, mom and her husband moved into a predominantly predominantly black area, and then she was telling me how uh, the food lion. They learned that the food lion was taking expired meat from the white food lion or the food lion in the white stores, and then just changing mm. the expiration date, you know, and putting it in the food lion in their neighborhood. So then, wow. imagine how that. Used to mm-hmm. and that, like, yeah, that's not a, a long time ago. Like, I'm not that right. old. You know? yeah. and, and so, you think about so, how does that impact health? You know, um, how does it, you know, um, I think about my grandfather who served in a war, um, the Korean War, but was not able to uh, take advantage of the GI Bill. Mm-hmm. And then, in was pushed to rentals, and so then his whole generation, and then his, his children, which is my dad, they grew up in rentals. There was no home ownership, so they're building wealth for the people who own the homes, and those people can send their kids to college. My grandparents can't send, you know, their kids to college, um, or can't, uh, you know, weren't able to live in areas where, you know, with better schools and you know more opportunities. Hmm. So it compounds over time. So then my dad is the first kind of the first generation to, um, you know, be able to go to business school. I'm a first generation, like full college student. Again, I'm Mm. not that old, (laughs) like the first generation. But then I think about, again, they don't not having access to um, great medical care, how far you have to travel just to get um, fresh food. and and then, you know, when you are, when, when c- poverty is compounded in areas, then crime rate goes up. And so, you know, his sister was murdered, you know, in this yeah. area. So it's all, it's, it's a lot of things working together, compounded together, which, again, if you're not paying attention and you're not connecting the dots, you can't see it. And so, yes, yeah, systemic racism sounds like some bizarre boogeyman. Um, when you, <laughs> yeah, when you're not able to connect the, the dots and, and I actually use the, that analogy when I am teaching or when I first start my, um, beginner courses, it's like, I'm, I'm not trying to, um, tell you what to think or anything like that. I'm just going to give you some more dots so mm-hmm. that you okay. draw a full picture. Cause you know, you know, um, those connect the dot pictures where you, you know, right. you don't want Two, three right and then you see the picture right. oh it's a flower or whatever right It's the or, magic eye right <laughs> yeah, stare
1: really hard
3: and <laughs> so you connect but if you don't have the dots you can't draw the picture and so yeah. Yeah. you can't see systemic racism if you don't have the dots
1: my, my i have a question so uh i how have i I didn't know about half of this stuff you know right. I'm 41 years old. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the South. Mm -hmm. Some of the things you said apply because we didn't, I didn't get, I was the first college graduate in my family, you know, but (laughs) we we were poor white people, but I had no idea some of these things existed until recently. And that blows my mind. And I'm a history guy. Like I love history. Mm -hmm. And I always thought maybe the school's, They never got to modern history because they ran out of time right around May, you know. So they always missed the last fifty years. And now I'm wondering if that was intentional or not, right? (laughs) Because I didn't, we didn't get into that part of the history books if it was even in there, right?
3: It wasn't in there.
1: Okay, that's what I want to check. (laughs)
3: It wasn't in there, yeah. And and you know that's on purpose. Um, I think, like growing up, I feel fortunate that I was just able to see stuff for myself, or that I come home. And you know, I tell my parents something that I learned at school, and they would amend it. Like, so for example, um, I remember being—I think I was in middle school. What well, it doesn't matter. But I remember, you know, the teacher said that um, you know, slavery in America wasn't that bad, and that um, the the slave she would have said slave masters or whatever—but enslavers treated their slaves well. Um, okay. And I remember thinking, oh well, that's good you know oh. so I go home and <laughs> nice. I go home and yeah well everybody has got it wrong all this time
1: it's a misunderstanding <laughs> <right>?
3: miss, <laughs> miss got it wrong no so I, I go home and I tell my mom and so she says you know she says no she said it like she said um you know no that's not <laughs> that's not the case and she explained to me why my white teacher would feel the need to tell. Me that, Mm. you know, or like, well, if it wasn't so bad, then how come, you know? And so she offered. Or when I, when I remember learning, you know, we're taught meritocracy, right? If you work really hard, (laughs) you know, you can, you can have whatever, be successful. And I thought, well, that's good news. So I go home and tell my Mm. mom, (laughs) Mom, guess what? If you work really, really hard, you know, you can, you can be successful and have whatever you want. And she's like, No. She uh, said, Well, the slaves worked really hard and they weren't able to, you know, accomplish or achieve what they would achieve. So, see how I was going home and being, my education was being broadened and amended. And I appreciate, you know, yeah, being shown those things uh, and being a part of, you, you know, my parents encouraging me to be a critical thinker. Um, um. Like, we should, you know like everybody i knew worked hard like i don't i didn't know lazy people <laughs> growing up everybody worked hard and i'm like and we poor and we you know whatever yes. and it it this isn't about economics but you know my point is yes it's it's on purpose i think that we don't um that we haven't been taught this and and um and so when people do learn it yeah there is so much cognitive dissonance cuz you know, you think, how could I not, how could I not know this? Um, and so, yeah, we aren't being, we weren't taught that in schools and many schools still aren't um, teaching it um, again, which is why brownicity exists. I, I hope that brownicity would be obsolete someday and mm. that we will, <laughs> that we would learn this mm. stuff so, because when we're informed, right, like when we have a mutual understanding um, you know, mutually informed people seldom disagree. Then we we can be a, pro- a part of mutual problem solving. So we can't solve mm. problems better, you know, Ooh. if we don't even have an understanding.
0: That'll breach. Mm-hmm. Um. So you you said a few things. You said GI Bill and redlining. Like we knew what we were talking about. Can you, can oh. you explain why the GI Bill was so detrimental to the African American community and why redlining and what I- what is it? Because I, I feel like most of our listeners may or, or they probably won't know these things.
3: Oh, there's no problem. Okay. Well, okay. So GI Bill wasn't detrimental. It was actually, um, very helpful to, uh, the, to the, to the, uh, servicemen, um, who, who, who had access to it. So after world war two, um, um, when the, the soldiers came back home and, um, their, Um, needed to build homes and start families before World World War II, um, yeah, like you would have to have like 50% uh, of the price of the home in order to, you know, own a home. So um, I know, and that's something. So then they created um, what we kind of have now. Well, 10% down or 20% down, then you pay over time. And so they they created that. And he created his g i bill where you know uh, the soldiers could um uh, have access to loans like with very extremely low super low interest rates and so then you um however uh during that time um they were only I like because I'm trying to think like how much how much do I go down this rabbit hole but I won't go too far <laughs>
0: like, um, during
3: it's that time,
0: so as much yeah, as you want.
3: Yeah, well, I don't want it because I don't want to shoot people with the with the fire hose, you know. Um you yeah. can learn over time. And so um, or take my course because they really break it down in the course. Uh, yeah. but so then with the GI Bill, people were able to yeah, go to college um and um or buy a home. But they only made it accessible. They they made it accessible to uh, white people or people categorized as white. So I think I think the statistic is only two percent of um, of the GI bills went to people of color. And I and when I say people wow. of color, that's all. That's not. That's all the people of color. That's everybody that's not white. Two percent. And yeah, the rest of it, um, yeah, was just all white. And so it, it was that, and then redlining. So all of this kind of went together. Redlining was um, a way for banks to then place value um, and cause some chaos in um, with neighborhoods and and home ownership. So they would. They came up with a color scheme, um, and I think, let's see, it was, okay, so red was the lowest. And again, I could be getting this out of order, but then there's green was high, blue, and yellow, and red was the lowest. And so then they would k- literally, like, kind of draw, take out a map and draw lines around um, neighborhoods that they deemed um, bad investments. And when you go, um, for example, uh, when you, when you, wh- what is the name of the book? I have to, um, I have so many books <laughs> in my sure. book. uh, like, anyway, it, it's okay. But when, well, but the thing is about redlining is that it was so arbitrary. So it wasn't that they had any kind of, they didn't base it on anything. It was all just, um, subjective. Like, well. Because this neighborhood is, you know, predominantly black, we're going to draw a red line around it. Because, um, and yeah, that's why. And here's the thing: again, it's we present this in the course. You know, neighborhoods had covenants, and the covenants would explicitly say, Mm -hmm. um, "This neighborhood is, you know, for you know white people only, affluent." So, I mean, it was a whole. I mean, they were, They had, it was, there was a whole protocol um, and they officially put these policies in place and then real estate agents aligned with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how, again, uh, Black people especially were pushed towards rental areas or pushed towards places that were being divested while white people were being pushed, like su- the suburbs were being created mm-hmm. to the suburbs. And white people were being pushed towards the suburbs, and then they were being invested in, and um, and kind of able to accumulate all of these resources. So yeah, redlining was kind of a was a banking thing. So the banks were in on it, real estate agents were in on it, the housing industry in on it. So again, it's multiple things all together, not just one thing. When we talk about a system.
0: It, correct me if I'm wrong. So the way that I understood the GI Bill, people came home and like you said, they were trying to build the houses, the families, whatnot. There's one example, if you want to research Levittown, um, where it was a, a community uh, of being built suburbs, and mm-hmm. they would allow those, um, the the white uh, soldiers that had the GI Bill to to go into this town and, um, mm-hmm. And, and establish, you know, home, to get get equity, like you said, to be able to live in this community. But they wouldn't let uh, African-Americans in. And so That's they right. were forced to, to stay in those, like you said, the the downtown, the, the urban areas, while the mm-hmm. white flight was happening to get everybody out. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the red line happening where they said, this is really where you, if you're going to, if a bank is going to invest in a community, you don't want it in this red line. You want it mm-hmm. out here in the suburbs because that's where your profit's going to be. That's where you're going to make the most money. And mm-hmm. the fact of it's, you could qualify for a uh, a loan only in these redlined areas if you're African-American, but the, these blue lines or whatever, those are much e- are, are easier to get for white, white families. And so that's where that that line occurred no pun intended of that separation and and i had no idea like brian was saying i had no idea that this was happening or this had happened back then and 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 that's what caused that
3: yeah and it's designed and so we think Mm. that oh we are we segregate because of some kind of in-group you know preference but no Mm. the segregation was designed um right so and and we still see that trend today, where by and large, um, white people um, segregate themselves the most. So mm. it's like this is mad rush to like leave um, the the city and and move out to a server a suburb, and then sometimes over time, then it's like okay, now we got to move even further out. Mm. Um, and and the irony is, and then you know they'll. There'll be like a hyper white space, a suburb or a neighborhood. And then they'll say, let's do a diversity initiative. <laughs> so I <was> like, oh, <laughs> um, wait, hold on. <laughs> but, and here's the other thing. And I, and I love that Wendy brought this up, but in that whole redlining scheme, there was something called um, blockbusting. And this was a way for the banks to take advantage of white people because they would play on um their fears the they know they know that you know people racialized as white are taught to fear everybody else they don't even know why just talk, talk to fear everyone else <laughs> and Then the banks so would, would make right and within and the banks would kind of play these games and say well black people are moving in do you want to live near black people um mm-hmm. all kinds of creative things like it when you look into or you know when you watch the video or take the court it will blow your mind um, and they would kind of play these tricks, and then get white people to sell their homes cheap to the bank, and then the bank takes the home and sells it for multiple, you know, multiplies the price and makes a huge profit. And so again, everybody loses. It's not just about, you know, race isn't a people of color problem. Um, race is a, a white problem. It was created to manipulate white people. Huh. And mm-hmm. so, it continues to do that. <laughs>
1: like, that's nuts. That's insane. Isn't
3: though. it? It is so nuts. <laughs> so- I
0: can't. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Our last episode was, uh, Wendy kept saying the phrase, white people are good people. Now I'm going to use the phrase, I hate all white people. <laughs> I'm no, just kidding. It's right? A it's a joke. <laughs> I'm so mad at us. Uh, so, yeah. that's the. Like,
3: I- It's just needing to be, again, because, again, when we we have this association that racism is about Black people or people of color, and it really is no, like, racism, like, Black people are just saying, okay, hey, here's the problem, here's the problem, but I, you know, if you're benefiting from, you know, systemic injustice, then you're less likely to take a look, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I am constantly pointing, when I, you know, I, the majority of my students are white. And so, yeah, I, I want them to see that this is really about white people. This is really about you abdicating your power. So giving up your power to be complicit in a system of, um, that appears to be, you know, benefiting you. But then, like you said, like, you were like, I grew up poor too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, But it is meant to manipulate white people. So you think about, you know, the history that Wendy shared, it was like, how do we get these God fearing white folks to disalign with the, you know, the the working class of color? So how do we get this, the God fearing working class white folks or Europeans to disalign with the working class? People of color. Oh, OK, well, we create this status and then we give them white status, which is, you know, above, up, you know, one step up on the rung. And then, then we blame all the problems on on the people of color. So, again, with with redlining and blockbusting, you know, the banks were able to say, well. Yeah, like, do you you don't want to live near black people, do you like why not? Like what's the problem with that? And even the banks were given giving a lower rating to neighborhoods that were mixed. There were so many neighborhoods mm. that were racially integrated and were doing just fine, just fine, wow. no problems. This was w- w- this was uh, post Reconstruction, just fine. We were for the first time this like interracial democracy, multiracial democracy, hey. um, but then. You know, it's like people in power know how to play the race card (laughs) to manipulate white people to then align with um, harmful beliefs and practices. And, yes, it's at the expense of people of color, but it's at the expense of white people, too. So, you know, racism is really destroying all of us.
1: Yeah. It goes both ways a little bit. I know there's... <laughs> there's, I think, there's a distrust of white people, maybe in the black community too, like it, just because of we've been the benefactors of a lot of these policies, mm-hmm. right? So there's probably there's another it, it's it's different, I know, but there's right. it's there's things on both sides that make it difficult to move forward, yeah. right?
3: You are right. In that word, it, distrust is is key. Um, yes, You're, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, and you were even just talking about, um, you know, white white flight going out of the the urban areas. But now you've got gentrification, you know, and now that comes into play. And, and most people would think, oh, well, you know, you've got this, you know, $1 million home next to this $15,000 home. That would make their property value go up even more. So that's great. Yeah. Um, not so exactly. much, is it?
3: Not so much, right? Because <laughs> I can't pay the property taxes. You know, if I if my house is, yeah. you know, thirty thousand dollars or whatever, I can't pay the property taxes. of, you know, so yeah, yeah.
0: I think I think there's a lot of in <laughs> some intentional, but a lot of unintentional consequences that that not not unintentional consequences, uh, unintentional understanding. Of right. what happens, you know, in that, oh, this neighborhood's coming, it's up and coming. Well, there's reasons for that. And that there's going to be some stuff that, some yeah. impacts that you right. may or may not yeah. understand.
3: Right. And, you know, and the thing is, so it can be up and coming, and then we can, you know, we can invest in improvements, but then we can also look out for people. Like people don't have yeah. to be steamrolled and dispossessed, yeah. disenfranchised in the process. It isn't like, you know, I think we, often think, well, there's nothing we can do about it. That's just how it is. Nope. how it is is how we make it. And we mm. can make it, right?
0: How, we so it, how do we move forward? Um, like, what's mm. uh, what's something that we can do?
3: Well, I think first we have to, um, like, choose to understand uh, mm. uh, race, racism. Um, I like, I think I, I was it last week you called it racial understanding um, mm. sometimes called people call it racial literacy ra- racial competency we have got to understand this thing you know i don't know the way we understand football see i don't understand football and <laughs> I'm like can, you know we have got we can, but we can understand it because it's it's basically it's patterns it's mm. you know it's a system so you know, I, when I'm teaching my high school students, I, you know, we'll get to a point in history and I say, now, can you tell me what you think is going to happen next? And they can, <laughs> but at this point, you know, they've seen the patterns or I'll say, Hey, this happened. Tell me where you've seen the same thing happen in history. Mm. And then they can, they can tell me. And so it's patterns. So it's like, if we just choose to study it and get good at it, which we can, like we're human. <laughs> we can do it. Yeah. We can choose to get so At it that then there is no place for fear because fear comes in where we have a, a gap in understanding, right? We fear what we don't know, and then mm-hmm. there's so much attached to that, so we don't know it. So then there's shame, there's shame because I didn't know, there's shame because um, I'm white, or there's shame because my ancestors were enslaved, or there's shame because my ancestors did it, you know. Okay, so if we can just choose to um, have no parts of that and and get really good at understanding this. I know that we can, you know, dismantle it, deconstruct it, um, stop being bossed around by it and we can mm. create something. Better. I just I just and I, you know, sometimes I see really intelligent people who are choosing, choosing to they're choosing racial ignorance because mm. it's comfortable. Because that's it. You know, I'm all about being comfortable. I always say um, because there's that saying people say, oh, we just got to get uncomfortable. But I'm like, well, I think we're already uncomfortable. Let's get comfortable. (laughs) Like, Let's normalize this. Let's normalize this understanding. Um, So, again, like we don't need a brownicity. Right. Like, oh, we got this. We understand this. We see how this functions. And then, you know, in our own personal lives, we begin to make decisions that you know kind of pulls the cogs out of the system and then the system weakens and then in our you know in our schools whatever in our communities and churches and you know with our platforms wherever you have influence then you yeah choose to um disconnect from the system yeah so what we gotta do you have to and 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 i also feel like we're afraid to am- like we don't know how to use our imaginations, um, sure. right? So we can we can imagine something better. We can imagine something different. I I was in a um, like a session with, and this guy was like, um, "What was it? It was about um, stamped from the beginning." So it was like a group talk about the book "Stamped from the Be- Beginning" by Ibram X. Kendi, and the guy was like, "Well, it was like slavery." Africans being enslaved in America was inevitable. And he said it had to be that way. And he explained his thought. And I'm like, I thought, wow, you have like zero, like in his mind, like, you know, it could only have been this way. And I'm like, okay, I wanted to like expand your brain. Mm mind okay how how else could we have done that well we could have done sweat equity my husband helped build a company he worked initially for the company he worked for free and they gave him stocks in the company so then when the p- company started making money then they paid him but he still has stocks we mm. could have done something like that like i mm. get it that was cheap labor but we could have put things in place to not dehumanize yeah. people mm. but see and we have to activate our imagination and we have to be willing to see, see the problem, call it a problem, and then and then, you know, reimagine a better way forward. And sometimes, you know, Wendy talked about the brain last time. And, yeah, I, first of all, our brain is designed to keep us um, comfy and and consistent. Right. <laughs> like don't want to do I, that work. Yeah. Right. Well
0: to Try to get on the treadmill. No, I'm good.
3: Uh, I'm good. That's okay. But we are also neuroplasticians. You know, as humans, we can step outside of ourselves and think about how we think and see how we think. And so we're we're neuroplasticians. We can rewire our brains. We have the ability to yeah re yeah reform. And mm-hmm. so we just have to want to.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and you also said too. Uh, I think in a previous interview of uh, like we need to use our imaginations, but we've also got to be critical thinkers, and we don't teach that at all, as well. Right. And that's frustrating.
3: Yeah, because if we taught you how to think critically, then would you be complicit? Like, would you go, "Okay, yeah. I'll go fight your war, even though it has nothing to do with me" or something? You know, <laughs> right? I'll sign up for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll sign up for that.
3: No, it, yeah, we have to. be um, be critical thinkers.
0: Yeah. So, all right. uh, So how can people get a hold of your curriculum? How can people get a hold of you? How do we we make ourselves better by taking your courses?
3: Yeah. So, and now my courses are, um, our our courses are in stages. And so, yeah, we have like the introductory level course. And so Mm -hmm. What Lies Between Us is an introductory level course. And then we have um, where you can get more into some some heavier, thicker, more complex stuff. And that's called intermediate. And so we have a learning community. So if you go to brownicity.com, brownicity.com and click on a learn, then there's all the options that you can learn with us. We have a learning community membership um, mm-hmm. where you can pay ten dollars a month, or one hundred and ten dollars a year and just get in there and take those courses. Um, What lies between us is um, just, you know, it's a study guide and you access the resources through our website. So, you know, we offer different price points. So, for example, for the person who says, well, I just want to buy the book for ten dollars and then just take my time and go through these, you know, go through the curriculum like you can access the resources for free. But then there might be people who say, well, I want some support. So you want me to pop up on a video and talk to you and guide you? Um, Then you purchase that. That's inside of our learning community. And you can purchase that Um, for people who um, what lies between us has has a faith element to it. So for Mm -hmm. people who don't that, we have the same course, but it's called Foundations. Uh, Mm -hmm. Foundations, you know, we offer companies and schools and because it, you know, it doesn't have the faith part. It's, but it's sure. exactly the same, just without the, um, the scriptures, but <laughs> so, yeah, and so we have, we have stuff for families and kids. We have, mm. um, um, yeah, it's just, if we, yeah, again, we, we have media literacy in there. We have understanding conspiracy theories, um, how to talk to your kids. So all kinds of mm. stuff, um, on our website for people who, um, you know, want to sit down and learn. And then also, if you uh, subscribe to our newsletter, then, uh oh, gotta sneeze. Oh, sorry. Then that's how um, you find out when we're doing things live, because we love to teach live as well. Um, whether that be in person, um, we, we will come to you, or whether it's a Zoom. So that's how. Perfect. Run this.com. Awesome. <laughs> follow, follow us on um, um, Instagram. Um, we post. Uh, Our our bloggers um, are people who continue to learn and then they share what they're learning, which I love because it is an invitation, right? It's an invitation for people to learn. Yeah.
0: Uh, my wife asked, who do I have on this week? And I said, Dr. Lucretia Berry. She's like, oh, I follow her on Instagram. And I went to the <laughs> and all that stuff. So I'll be sure that, that I do that. Um, wow. What a blessing. Thank you so much for coming on and again, telling your story. That really does mean a lot. It's not just a line. Like this was very helpful. Thank you. Oh,
3: thank you so much. And again, like I appreciate you all you know, elevating this conversation and also elevating my voice in the conversation. Thank Absolutely.
1: you so much. <laughs> yeah. I have one question before you will let you oh, go. Yeah. I know you, you heard our conversation before you came on oh, yeah. about the cereal. I know you have an <laughs> yeah. opinion because I'm looking at your bookshelf behind you and they are mm-hmm. color coded. There's mm-hmm. a green blue shelf. There's a red shelf. There's a yellow shelf. Wow. There are all, there's it. a very specific thing happening there. So I know you have strong opinions here. So, right. we, so we need to know milk yeah. first or cereal first.
3: Cereal first. Right. Okay. I don't understand you the milk first thing.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. Yeah. yeah this
3: makes sense.
0: It makes sense. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for, for coming on. I'd love to have you come out to maybe our church and and, and do, do some sessions. That'd be fantastic. Yeah,
3: that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you again. Too
0: much. Have you a good
3: too. night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
0: Ooh, that was good. That was some good stuff.
2: That was very good.
0: Wow. So too,
1: I could just talk to her forever. Like I've had lots. I could ask so many questions. Hard yeah. questions. and,
0: <laughs> you know, and, hard and questions. maybe, you know, maybe this is something you know that we we bring back again. Maybe next season as is, is we, we get a little bit deeper and, and dig a little bit harder into that because you're exactly right. I could talk to her for, for an entire season you know because yeah. there's so much stuff there. Um, and next week, uh, guys, I'm telling you, next week is going to be phenomenal. We have Tim Emery. He is a uh, criminal defense attorney, and he's running for Mecklenburg County um, uh, District Attorney. And he's going to talk about social justice in the criminal justice system. Um, I went through a course and he taught it and the stuff that he uh, said, you thought this was mouth dropping, which it completely is. But this is more, I don't want to say current by any stretch, but this is a huge issue um, that that there's just so many facts, figures and everything else. There, There is facts and figures of everything else. This was just for me super impactful. I'll just say it like that.
1: So um, I should or should not get the Law and Order sound for the soundboard?
0: Oh, absolutely, you should.
1: Okay, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah make sure that that's there. <laughs> yeah, probably, I do have,
1: I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I have
0: mysteries as well.
1: <laughs> I have the what's? I have one of the. Oh, what was it? I can't find it now. I have one of the like uh, law shows. Was it the People's Court or something? I thought oh, I used no, to have.
0: It. I, we did a people's court yeah
1: maybe i don't have i thought uh, something is gone now oh well
0: oh well so he's going to be on next week um that that wasn't it what was that i didn't hear that i didn't do anything <laughs> i heard it ryan did you hear it hear what no i didn't hear anything what you hear what i heard like a, a bell it goes, you didn't hear that next week on Unsolved Mysteries. Wow. In a world. (laughs) In a world where one man. Um, Anyway, so he's going to be on next week. I'm really excited to have him on. And then that's going to be episode 199B, because this is 199A. Mm. Technically, if you go through uh, the list of shows that we have, there is a, a missing episode 16. It is no longer there. Um, and so this is going to replace episode 16. So we may just call it episode
1: 16. Is that a conspiracy of some kind or,
0: um, there's no, I'm not even, oh. I'll get to it offline. I'll, I'll tell oh. you offline. So, uh, but oh. there's no, no episode 16. So our 200th episode, we've got a big guest coming on and I will save that for next week. So you want to tune in who's going to be on episode 200 of the mm. Southern pride philosophy podcast. Woo-hoo. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in, and as always, keep looking up.